HQ, folks. XQ quality. Better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. This is episode 180 of Channel Massive, and in honor of this episode's number, we're going to do 180 and make this podcast all about cooking. Yes, I thought it was going to be a retrospective of the year 2011. No. Looking backwards. (laughs) (laughs) After we had predictions, let's look back into the past. So this will be a cooking show? Yeah. When we get your your wonderful buffalo chicken dip recipe. No, it's all going to be desserts, brownies and stuff. Oh, I'm not a big dessert guy. Oh, that's too bad (laughs) for you and the listeners. For everyone. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) No, we're not really going to do that. We are recording (laughs) remotely because Mark's condition just sounded too scary for me to approach his residence this week i fell off my ladder when i was working on my my back up (laughs) so we're going to be telling you what we're playing and our our primary focus for this episode and it it may expand beyond this but we can't really tell you yet if that'll be the case but last week we talked about our predictions for 2012 we covered like so much. We we covered the apocalypse, and we covered technological innovations and MMOs, the monetization of MMOs, and mobile phones and smartphone games and social games. So this episode, we're still going to talk about the future. Right. But things that are more tangible and that are hopefully, fingers crossed, concrete. What games are we looking forward to most this year? And... I'm sure a lot of our listeners have games that immediately come to their mind that will be in our top five lists that we have here. But you may be surprised by some of our selections. We're interested to hear what if you agree with our choices or if you have choices of your own that are contrary. Or if you just want to say something about your favorite brownie recipe, you can send that into mail M-A-I-L. at channelmassive.com. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Service. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. So our first brownie recipe <laughs> is very earthy, and by that I mean that earthworms are a prime component of the recipe. <laughs> it's it's good for you. 
Okay, never mind that. What? Uh, this is usually where we talk about what we've been playing. Is usually. <laughs> Typically, yeah. <laughs> this is an atypical podcast because I am sober. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> in, many way, in many ways. But anyway, um, so uh, let's see. How about we shake things up a bit and I'll talk about what I've been playing first instead of just throwing you, uh, you know, throwing you right in onto the fire there, so to speak. So I have only been playing, the only game I've been playing, um, with the exception of one night, one blissful night of playing League of Legends for four hours solid, uh, is uh, Star Wars uh, The Old Republic, and I've been having a blast with it. And um, I've got like a level 21 um, uh, Sith Juggernaut, and I now have like a level 12 uh, Sorcerer, which is going to be kind of my alt for dealing with auctions and stuff like that. And uh, I'm having a blast. I really like it. Love the story. Enjoying everything. And um, a lot of friends are starting to show up online to play with, so that's kind of fun. I'm having a good time. I guess that means that I'm not one of your friends because I'm not playing it. No, no. <laughs> You're one of my, I, said a, I said a lot of friends, not all of my friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> my only friends. My They're only, showing up to play. My true friends are playing <laughs> some others, some people who are uncommitted. Or, Unfortunate, yes. malcontents, miscreants. What is it called? Uh, well, any, ne'er-do-wells, something like that. I don't know. That's quite poetic. So, yeah. Are not not fully aboard yet. But, um, yeah, it's really fun. Enjoying enjoying the hell out of it. Um, and I really had fun playing League of Legends. I played a little bit with my friend Donovan and with Ryan. And uh, we were winning pretty well. We were having a lot of fun. I'm playing Sona a lot with that in Dominion mode. and love it. So Can't wait to play with Noah, too, though, so we have the power of Kog'Ma. Yes. I, well, I, I love I branch out. I, I tried to play a game as Graves because he's a guy that I – believe i want to learn how to play well <laughs> oh yeah and so i just kind of silently selected to play this guy and if you don't play the game listeners the dude has this kind of oh gosh deadwood slash sling blade absolutely <laughs> voice, voice yeah. acting and he's very western cowboy with shotgun and fires yeah. shot and all that other stuff and Kind of sucked, died quite a bit, but still enjoyed it. I'm, I need to branch out. I've just like I've locked myself into these certain champions, and I was talking about it with Ryan over Instant Messenger earlier this week, and he told me that he was that way too when he first started playing because the way the learning curve of the game is, I just went through lots of <laughs> lots of – well, I didn't go through lots and lots, but I went through many champions, and then I would quit the game because I just couldn't – I wasn't good at it with any of them. And out of frustration, I would quit because it's just like, it doesn't matter how many times I play, I continue to suck. And then I finally found a champion that I was good with, and that was Garen. And then that was all that I played. And then I slightly branched out months later, and I think that's when I added in, oh boy, it's all starting to fade. <laughs> I think it was when I went into Kogma and, and Sona and a little bit of Teemo. And then since then, I've just kind of been locked into it. I've gotten really, I think, pretty good at Kog'Maw, though I still will play games occasionally where people are like, God, worst Kog'Maw ever, totally sucks, blah, 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 which oh, did happen last week. Totally annoying. Um, <laughs> but 
But it's just, I was telling Ryan that I, I did that. And he's like, yeah, I, I did that too. He said that he had a hard time finding a champion that he was good at and, and therefore not enjoying the game. And then he discovered Caitlyn and got really good with her. She's a sniper ranged carry type champion as well. Uh, like Kogma and Graves and all these other champions I've been mentioning. And his friend that was playing with him got so frustrated <laughs> that Ryan kept doing this that, and they were started playing the, I don't know what it's called, the draft mode where you oh, ban yeah. champions. So his friend would ban Caitlyn, forcing Ryan to play other characters. And that's what finally broke him out of it. And he's made it a point now to play a champion that he's not familiar with every day that he does play. I'm like, wow, that's really a good plan. That is a good idea. Yeah. Then you might find one that really works for you or, you know, or not. But one thing I've noticed is when I play Sona in Dominion, everybody, when I first start says, why did you choose her? She's horrible for this game. You she's can't. a support. She's not beefy enough. She's yeah, not they t- aggressive enough. Yeah. And, and it's like, and so then we play and we win and I'm like number one. And I'm like, and I always can't stop myself, or not, sometimes number two, but I'm always like, Gloating. Um, so did I change your mind? And <laughs> half the time they say no. <laughs> I'm like, Even okay. when you're first. Even though the, we won the game and I'm number one, and usually it's by a pretty good margin too lately. And mm-hmm. and that's not to say I'm great with Sona. It's just that whatever, for whatever reason, like her build that I'm using and the – the situations that she's in are working, you know, maybe it's because I'm a martyr and I always die and I get the 40 points every time I die. But, um, just kidding. But, um, I don't know what it is, but it's just funny when people are like, Oh, you can't possibly be doing what you're doing. I'm like, but I'm doing it and, you know, (laughs) melting the other team. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what it is. It's just funny to have people tell you, you can't possibly be doing that, but it's effective. If we win the game, I'd say it's a win. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but if you'd played a different character, we would have won by even more. It's like, well, you don't know that. Oh, whatever. What if I hadn't healed you or given you the speed buff or done the damage or caused defense or, you know what I mean? It's like, it's crap. It's, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. When I've tried to do that, when they've complained at me about my build or my spells that I select, I usually suck. And it's like, you know what, dude? I have reached level 30, not by coincidence, but by dedication yeah. of playing this game over and over and over and over and over, and I have found something that works for me, and just because you don't like it or you don't understand it or in yeah. your little walnut-sized brain you can't possibly conceive how it can work doesn't mean that you're right. right. You know, just uh, just like when it's it's helpful to go and look at builds online or strategies online for a lot of games, but sometimes it's really cool when you can figure out how to make the game work your own way whether that's in World of Warcraft or any other games that are out there that pose the opportunity to solve things from from a strategic perspective, you know, so like strategy games, really. Um, yeah. You find what works for you and you freaking play it. <laughs> but that's not to say that it's not a bad idea to branch out, and I need to d- diversify, so that's what I'm going to be trying to do. Oh, yeah, I think so. I, I think I'll try and do that, too. I'll try and play a new character every time at least once. So Cool. That's what I've been playing. What about you? Let's see, I was down at my parents, and I actually finished Portal 2 while I was down there. Oh, cool. With my mom as an audience member because she was too intimidated by the mechanics and the the puzzle solving, which I think she was just underestimating her skills and not wanting to <laughs> really commit herself. I know that she could have done it, but she just wanted to watch, and it was really cool. I really liked 
where the game went and this, all the extra backstory that you got. And what's really remarkable is there's some interesting twists as far as the game, the game's uh, single player experience. I haven't had a chance to play the co-op yet, uh-huh. but what's remarkable is none of it was spoiled for me. And oh, that's cool. I figure that something of it would have been spoiled for me, but really I had no idea what was going to happen halfway through. Um, with respect to the story and the and the game, I'll just leave it at that. In case someone out there is like me, yeah, playing games eight months later, <laughs> I haven't finished. I have not finished it yet either. But it's just it's really really cool and it's very funny, and while tricky, never totally insurmountable. Although there were some moments where I'm like, you know, I don't have two hours to sit here to commit to finishing this puzzle. So I, w- there were times where if I spent about twenty minutes trying to solve something, you know respect to my mom sitting here watching me for oh, yeah. myself and my mistakes. I'm like, you know what? Game FAQs is right here. And I'm just going to read a little bit, just enough to get me over the next <laughs> step. And then I'll see if I can right. figure it out. And usually that's all that I needed. I didn't like follow up playthrough guide, but you know, just in the interest of getting through it. And the ending was cool. Really, really love that game. And I've also been playing a lot of perf- the new Professor Layton game, which is great. And... Um, having finished Uncharted 3 last week, this was a week of trying different games with my gamer buddy, Chris. Oh, right. Uh-huh. So we didn't return to Heavy Rain, which is unfortunate because that's how I spent my New Year's Eve. We we spent New Year's Eve playing video games until 4 in the morning, which is... Holy crap. <laughs> ...was unplanned and unexpected, but it was really awesome because like, we can play as late as we want. We don't have to work tomorrow. I'm like, what? That's we don't have true. anybody waiting for us <laughs> or whatever. And so... We finished Uncharted 3, remarkably, at the stroke of midnight, and it was really awesome. And then after that, we got into Heavy Rain and God of War 3. And God of War 3 was just so intense and so much stuff flashing around that we're like, yeah, let's put in Heavy Rain. And Heavy Rain is an adventure game uh, by the folks who made Indigo Prophecy. I don't know who's played that on PlayStation 2. But very dark... <laughs> even darker than I expected. I didn't, I knew it was a game about a serial killer, but I did not know it was a game about a serial killer killing little boys. And so it was really creepy. Oh, that is creepy. Yeah. And very dark, uh, but still really interesting. And for me as a, as a long time adventure gamer, I thought it was really well done, but Chris found himself being either bored or depressed. And that ended up being <laughs> bored or depressed. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm really not enjoying this, but we played it. We played it. And then when we met up last night, we did not return to that. We instead played Infamous 2, and we played some of the new Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which I was expecting to be revelatory, and it ended up really pissing me off, and I turned it off when I got into a game-breaking glitch. (laughs) And this is in the intro of the game. And so somehow I need to figure out how I'm going to get through this damn game that's already really pissing me off in the first five minutes, and is like the longest Zelda game ever, and I'm supposed to finish it within the next couple weeks. I don't see that happening. It was so disappointing, I was thinking, um, maybe I should just sell this back. <laughs> it's really wow. mad. But I'm not going to do that. It was a gift, and I'll try to get through as much of it as I can and try not to think about a huge game-breaking glitch in a Nintendo game of all things, because I just do not expect that out of Nintendo's first-party marquee titles. But right. there it was, stuck. <laughs> wow. Couldn't recalibrate it. I mean, it's not like the game crashed, it froze. I mean, I was stuck in a gameplay scenario that I could not get out of, and it was a scenario that I had to finish so that the story would progress, and I could move around and do stuff, but I was just stuck. 
kind of like stuck in the geometry, I guess is the best way to describe it. And I could barely get out of it, and then I would just get sucked right back into it. And I screwed around with it for like 10 minutes. I'm like, screw this game. I'm turning it off. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chris is playing this, and we've been playing all these adult games. He's like, I feel like this is a game for kids. He's like, I feel like right. it's just so patronizing and just condescending. Like, oh, I need to do this. No. Oh, we're going to baby f- spoon feed you the one thing at a time. And I'm like, this is why I like the handheld Zeldas over the console Zeldas, because they're just trying so hard to be more sweeping and epic, and they end up being kind of slow. But yeah. That's my damning initial praise, <laughs> initial criticisms of that game. <laughs> initial praise slash criticism yeah. slash condemnation. And we played a bunch of Infamous 2, which is an open world game where you're kind of like this malcontent uh, X-Men, so to speak. You have electric lightning powers. You're kind of like Storm if Storm was a blue-collar dude. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, so you can, like, surf on power power cables, uh, telephone lines and electricity comes out and you can throw electricity grenades and shoot electricity bolts and hit people with like a gun that's half antenna. Well, it's like I guess it's a sword, electric sword that looks like a TV antenna. Oh, wow. (laughs) And the the graphics are cool. They're they're very high, high definition. It's an open world game, but the Game tries way too hard to establish street cred, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go over here. Whoa, whoa. The voice actor just sucks. <laughs> I mean, he's fine, but stylistically to me, he's just so cheesy. It's ridiculous. And so That's we were, funny. me and Chris just would make fun of it. I'm like, wow, this game is way more fun <laughs> with our commentary. <laughs> it's actually playable. <laughs> so, yeah. Though that is my gaming of the last week. Well, cool. It was pretty comprehensive, I think. Yes. It had highs, it had lows. I cried, I laughed. It was <laughs> awesome. I think it's time to move on to our next exciting, fun-filled segment, which is the mailbag, except for the fact that there's no mail this week. Oh, you got me all excited. And for that, we must condemn our entire user or <laughs> listener base, listenership. So uh, try and do better next week. Dang it. We want to know what the hell you're thinking, what you're playing, what you're, what you're excited about, what you're dreading. What? Tell us your deepest, darkest fears. <laughs> I guess we were Just, wrong with that whole idea that, like, you know, they were going to spend their New Year's listening to us. <laughs> I guess they didn't do it after all. I would have. I guess that means we'll just take a two-week vacation next. This, I, you know, you, neither you nor myself listen to us on New Year's either, though. <laughs> well, we have to listen to ourselves all day long. That's true. And that's There's no escaping ourselves, anyone. which is yeah. potentially, listeners, the darker fate. That is. <laughs> feel, feel lucky. You you're only subjected to us like one to two hours a week. Imagine what it's like for us. Horrible. <laughs> horrible, dark. It's a dark, horrible place. Yes. Super fast, super fast, I in last, We're still only in the first week of January 2012, and we we noticed that some other websites were putting up features about their most anticipated games coming out this year, and it didn't immediately, when Mark and I talked about this, I think both of us felt like, well, I don't know if there really is a lot that we're looking forward to. We didn't have any names really quickly in mind. I mean, there were some obvious things that we've talked about during the last year, that came to mind, which, of course, you'll probably be able to guess what those are. But 
I, 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 I had a hard time trying to come up with stuff. And I, I think part of it is because there's still a lot of other games that I'm still playing and I'm quite happy with. And some of them are really, really old, but that's okay. And then I'm like, all right, let's pull up the list of games that we know are announced and they're scheduled for this year. And I'm like, whoa, there's this one. And then there's this one. There's this one. So it, it actually is a year of yet another year of really great video games to look forward to. I initially came up with 17 different games. But Mark was much more responsible and came up with only a list of top five. And he was even prudent with it and kicked one of his choices off. Never to be seen or heard from again. <laughs> Although it made, it made it onto your list as number one. So <laughs> so it uh, all balances out. <laughs> yeah. So since he did that, I made some tough decisions and I came up with a top five list. But perhaps just for my own personal edification, I did make a list of honorable mentions, which I may or may not mention. <laughs> <laughs> just makes me feel better to see those games listed in the show notes. Yeah, it's just, yeah, exactly. So, Mark, how should we do this? How about we we go from number five to number one, and we'll alternate. Round so, robin. Okay. Yeah. So, what's your number five choice? And this the reason that this is cool, listeners, is because there's only one piece of overlap. That's right. <laughs> um, Guild Wars Two is my my number five, and it's just because I. I was an occasional player of Guild Wars, and I had um, almost I had all but one of the expansions for it. But I never it never really hooked me like World of Warcraft did. Um, but yet I had a I had a really strong respect for what they were trying to do. Um, I had a, a total respect for the way they did their PvP, the way they kind of made it a hub based kind of game, um, the way they didn't charge a monthly fee. It's like they broke all the rules that at the time were standard because it was right before the um, microtransaction games and the free-to-play concepts really started to, to uh, become, you know, commonplace. They they managed to pull it off with Guild Wars with just, you know, just selling the game itself and then the expansions but with no subscription, and I thought that was really cool. And so I'm really curious to see, you know, with all that going for them, I mean, they were making money. They stopped in their tracks and said, "We just can't progress any further the way we're going. We'd just be milking the franchise. We're gonna, we're gonna take some time off and build Guild Wars 2 and build it the way we always wanted it to be." So I'm really curious to see, with all that backstory, what they've managed to do at this time and what they've come up with and how it compares against, um, you know, games that have, you know, continued. Um, that are subscription-based, like World of Warcraft and now The Old Republic, and how it also ranks with the free-to-play games that have become very successful, um, like Lotro and um, you know th- that type of thing. So that's that's my number my number five most anticipated game. Very well said, Mark, and, and actually a really good choice. When Scott Prude and I were over at PAX, we had to stop by and watch some of the Guild Wars 2 going on, and I think that. Scott might have even got a chance to play it. And as it turns out, he put tons of hours into the first Guild Wars, really loved it a lot, is really yeah, excited about it. I remember that. I remember that now that you mention it, that he was a devout player. Yeah, and we, it was funny. There was one moment where we were walking by a booth and we saw this game up on the screen. Like, what game is that? It <laughs> looks really cool. And I think it was um, it was this <laughs> chain link fenced area where – Every two hours, a game that supported multiplayer competitive gaming would be played. And so Dominion was being played there, and some FPS was being played there. And then also a player-versus-player team-based 
player versus player um, Guild Wars 2 game was up there. And it was just really cool to watch. And even just watching the regular demo, I think I watched Scott play some. And it's like, wow, it looks really cool. And it's a case of one of those upcoming MMOs. They just have that sheen and that sparkle that, to me, is very alluring. And then the game comes out. And I'm like, nope, not going to play it. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, Jim sent us. I don't know if people remember Jim. Some people may not. That guy who's listening to every episode from episode one knows who Jim is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If any of our remaining listeners know, then kudos to you. You've been around for a long time. But he sent us this video today that was totally hilarious of a glitch in Star Wars The Old Republic where you can activate dance mode or your dance emote during a battle, and then you can become invincible, essentially, and not really take any damage and kill pretty much anything in the game. And... BioWare and EA are making a very concentrated effort to try to delete and remove any posts that state this on their forums because they're trying to, I'm sure, stamp out the bug. But it's just watching this video because that glitch aside, just watching an enemy stand in one place and fire at you from whatever direction you run to, you run in and you swing and then you run back and you, doesn't matter where you run, the enemy just pivots and keeps shooting at you. You run in. It's just like it's so monotonous to me. It's just like, how is this interesting at all? Because there's no traditional action gameplay anywhere to be seen in that experience. But it does sum up to me what MMO battles are. And Guild Wars 2, it's like, oh, it looks kind of cool. And I think there's another MMO that's coming up. I think it's Terra. <laughs> Terra is the one where you actually have to aim and you can dodge incoming attacks by running around and it's a little bit more action based. I'm not sure if that would, will do the trick for me, but um, that's really at the heart. One of the, one of the, my core issues with right. MMOs that keeps me from them. But if you play it, I'll be really excited to hear what you think about it. I will let you know. Now to make you breathe a sigh of relief, people who are listening, <laughs> I will probably not be as well-spoken or detailed oh, or eloquent as Mark <laughs> in my choices. Mark was talking, and I'm like, oh, crap, do I even have even have that much to say about my choices? <laughs> but maybe Mark will be able to fill in for me like I've just totally tangented and rambled on his choice for. <laughs> That's right. I will so jump in. <laughs> my number five choice is a 3DS exclusive title, the title that I've been wanting to buy my 3DS for, and that is... Resident Evil Revelations. It is a handheld exclusive Resident Evil title that the producers or creators of the game have said, for all intents and purposes, could be Resident Evil 6. But since it's coming out on the handheld and they didn't want to really commit that much, it's called. it's got a subtitle much like Resident Evil Code Veronica did on Dreamcast, even though that was really a canon true episode of the Resident Evil franchise. What is intriguing about it is that it takes place partially at least on a cruise ship and you have the original original heroes jill valentine and chris redfield and even barry is barry on there There, there's somebody who reminds me of barry from the first game uh, that's on there but there's actually some new characters and this game takes place storyline wise in between resident evil 4 and resident evil 5 uh and there's a new type of zombie that's can attack you from in the water and it's there's some kind of weird hybrid which takes me back to a room in the original Resident Evil where there's a shark lab with zombie sharks in it. And you just have to walk, you know, tank style through the water and you never know when the shark's going to jump out and kill you. It's very <laughs> stressful, kind of scary. But other than that, in the teaser trailer, there are two 
Chris Redfield's in the game and there's one that's chained to a chair and Jill's fixing to kill him. But there's another Chris Redfield that's in the room who's not chained up and they have different voices. And it's like, what the hell's going on? And beyond that, unlike Resident Evil 5, it looks really, really scary, dark, very gory, very violent, which should be really cool in 3D on a handheld machine and confined environments being chased and all sorts of really good stuff. So that's why I'm looking forward to that one. I'm finally, I've really enjoyed my 3DS so far, but I think I'm going to have that enjoyment reach maximum capacity when Resident yeah. Evil Revelations comes out later this month. We'll fully realize it with Resident Evil Revelations. It'll be yes. a lot of ours. Oh, that's cool. Well, awesome, man. Uh, my turn, huh? Number four for Here me go. is uh, Dota 2. What? Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now, you may say, well, Mark, we've heard you throughout the last few months since the announcement of this kind of dismissing it as something that won't be that great. Well, the reason why I'm looking forward to it is to prove or disprove that theory, actually. <laughs> so um, Dota 2 is the... Um, well, I would say spiritual, but it's actually the real, honest to God, in name successor to Dota, which is a popular mod uh, that originally showed up with StarCraft, um, which, you know, had the whole 5v5 corridor-based um, battle system where you're micromanaging one character and you're not really worrying about resources and base building. And um, that was taken to a new heights with um, Warcraft 3, where the mods um, for it became more advanced and you ended up with Dota All-Stars. Well, Dota All-Stars was one of the people who worked on it primarily was um, Icefrog, and he was um, snatched up by Valve to become a developer to build Dota 2. So we're going to get to kind of see um, what, you know, you can do when you take a mod and you get, you know, its lead person and you turn it and you put a company behind Valve behind it and you um, come up with a full-fledged game. And what's interesting is that I, you know, I think we've seen it realized with League of Legends, of which, you know, there's no doubt Noah and I are huge fans. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what a different vision of that is, and that's going to be Dota 2. So I'm just kind of curious to see what it is. So I'm anticipating it not so much because I think it'll be awesome, but because I just want to see whether it'll be um, – Better, worse, mediocre, train wreck. Yeah, a, a you're truly success. anticipating it. Yeah, I'm anticipating. Yeah, it's really funny, and maybe it should even be higher up on my list, just because I'm so curious to see what this thing really is going to be all about, um, and how it'll how it will fit into the landscape versus League of Legends versus Heroes of New Earth. You know, how will it establish itself? So. Really curious. And I would almost say that League of Legends is at a point now where it's not really, you know, vying for a place in the landscape of, um, you know, a corridor type gaming, um, you know, PvP game. It's it's actually vying for contention with World of Warcraft at this point for <laughs> if you've looked at the infographic for it. Yeah. It's just awesome. I mean, it's got more players actually concurrently and um, actively subscribed, not that, that the subscription is a, a fee-based thing, but people have signed up for it than World of Warcraft has right now. So it's kind of a phenomenon. So I'm really curious to see what 
Dota 2 can do to that? Will it erode its user base or will it be like kind of like the wow tourism thing that we've often commented on? Will people give it a shot and go, wow, I'm glad I'm back to League of Legends. That Dota 2 thing was fucking horrible, but <laughs> at least I, at least I spent a lot of money on it, you know, so that's, that's my kind of take on it. My, that's why I'm looking forward to it. I almost had this on my list as well. And like you, I'm very eager to see how it plays out. My gut reaction for just for me is that I'm not going to like it because I know it's going to have a much more complex. It, it will have many more complexities to it as the current Dota All-Stars does. And there's nothing wrong with that if you have had the time and you've put a lot of time into figuring all that out. And there was a time when I did know it well enough to play a few heroes in it. And we could play against insane bots, which we have no longer can do whatsoever. <laughs> and we right. could play with other people on the in the community. That was years ago. And my gaming tastes have changed. And I definitely prefer the refinements of League of Legends over what Dota All-Stars has. And to Dota 2's defense, there are going to be some features that I'd really like in League of Legends, like a, a nice replay feature or yeah, bot AI when somebody quits your game. <laughs> There's yeah. some features like that that I would really like in League of Legends, but I don't think that they're going to be compelling enough to make me want to climb that learning curve mountain to learn Valve's version or really... Ice Frog's version of Dota. And I feel like this is probably one of the riskiest things that Valve's taken on. I, I do too. Because it's it's another company's intellectual property in a lot of respects. I mean, oh, whether gosh. it's the name or it's the character designs, it, it just really it's, it leaves me ill at ease even still. And, you know, we'll all be over it a year after the games come out and it's something in the past, but I find that, I find that kind of funny too, because um, Tom Caldwell from riot is the, you know, he's their design director and he was working at blizzard as a designer um, for world of Warcraft and for the Warcraft three, the frozen throne. And I wonder what his take is as he sees, you know, basically the IP from, Warcraft 3 and the whole world of Warcraft in general not not the game but the the IP from Warcraft like re-released renamed basically but not really much else has been done to it uh you know and and kind of respun is like a Valve you know Proper. franchise yeah and I think that's really weird because I was looking at some gameplay footage when we were preparing for the podcast, and I'm like, oh, this must be about the Pandoran for Warcraft, um, World of Warcraft's expansion. And I'm like, oh, never mind, it's Dota 2. <laughs> it's like, it's just stuff like that where you could make that simple of a mistake because you're seeing characters that are so um, identified you know, with Blizzard. Identifiable with Blizzard yeah. being kind of re re released by a totally different company that has nothing to do with it. So And didn't do anything. Kind of truly legal to take that i mean it's like china building ripoff walt disney parks oh totally yeah spiritually it is i mean i'm not trying to say it's exactly the same thing but to me it feels like that yeah it's yeah. weird it's just a weird thing so yeah i think you and i are both very much anticipating dota 2 are you gonna actually buy it or well i don't know if do we know if i don't think we even know if it's gonna be free to no, play or for retail knows. or not knows and I, knows. I bet you it's gonna be 
free to play microtransactions. I think they're probably going to try to copy the League of Legends model full bore. Yeah. Which that makes would be sense. A smart move. Yeah. I mean, if you're really going to try to be competitive and make a dent and establish yourselves beyond just having the Dota name, you need to make it free to play because that's how those other games took off. That's for that's sure. Absolutely freaking loot. Didn't yeah. work for Heroes of New Earth to have a retail model whatsoever. <laughs> no, they sure tried that though, didn't they? They sure did. <laughs> uh, oh, what's next for you? For my number four choice, I picked Crystal Dynamics. I'm calling it a reboot. Reboot of Tomb Raider, which is coming out later this year, probably I think uh, October, November this year. Crystal Dynamics is the company that took over development of the Tomb Raider franchise once uh, from the from the series' original creators, which I think was Core Eidos or something like that. Oh yeah. And Crystal Dynamics, they because I think Core Eidos's last Tomb Raider was the horrific Angel of Darkness, which included a secondary character who had like a razor blade frisbee, and he was male, and it was just really cheesy, and. Crystal Dynamics got a lot of credit for creating Tomb Raider. Guardian of Light? They made that, but before that they made Legacy, Anniversary, and Underworld. Underworld. Yeah, which were pretty good, but Guardian of Light was freaking awesome. That was really cool. You know, I was just talking to some people about that today, in fact. That's how awesome it is in a totally different conversation. We were just like, man, they really got that right, you know? For sure. Just the, the gameplay was so well done. Yeah. In fact, I need to play that again. I was That was one that I forgot to play with Chris the other night. We'll have to do that. So You, really, you have to play it adversarially, of course. Though. Well, yeah, that's the only way to initially yeah. play it. <laughs> as, as you and I have played it, of course. Well, yeah, <laughs> Throwing grenades at each other. No one can watch us play that and, and stay in the room. <laughs> yeah, without being seriously annoyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Crystal Dynamics, eh, Tomb Raider Underworld wasn't all that great, but definitely re-solidified its re- reputation with Tomb Raider Guardian of Light. And just the initial videos and backstory of this new Tomb Raider game, which is almost survival horror, if not plain mm. survivals. It basically takes Lara Croft at age 17 or 18, and she crashes her boat crashes or capsizes on an island full of really creepy, cannibalistic, murderous people, <laughs> monstrous people in in a way. And she's not battle-toughened or skilled whatsoever, and it's all about how she became who she was by being put through this really intense, very dark physical trial on this island. And it just looks really cool. Her character design finally yeah. looks something not cheesy. <laughs> she looks way cool. Yeah, and just the gameplay and the way that the solutions are implemented because Tomb Raider's always been cool about having Indiana Jones type environments and trying to figure out puzzles. But when it came down to just crate pushing and switch pulling, that did get old after a while. And the solutions to some of the puzzles and challenges that have been shown to the press so far, they're pretty novel and they're interesting. And you can make decisions that would seem like a solution and you end up getting killed, even though you can hypothetically see it being the right way. So I feel like it's going to be a real roller coaster ride of a game that'll be really fun and make me interested in Tomb Raider again for the first time in many, many years. Aside yeah. from Guardian of Light, which wasn't really a traditional Tomb Raider game for me. Nobody expected that one. Yeah. No. I know. It looks way cool. 
I wasn't anticipating it like you, but uh, very, very cool. Yeah. Vision. What's your number three, Mark? Um, I call it Syndicate the Beginning, just <laughs> because um, it's this it's Syndicate, which was a I, I guess I should um I should have looked it up on Wikipedia to get the date it was released, but it was a game from way back in PC nineties, right? Area. Yeah, and it was really cool because it had like kind of a it had a map and you'd be traversing a city with these agents. And you you know you'd be doing basically like corporate espionage. You'd be either raiding or escaping from some kind of situation. And you had these cool weapons like mini guns, and you had you know lasers and sniper rifles. And it was just this kind of tactical shooting thing, trying to survive with this really cool music soundtrack that was you know something you could only hear in that era. Um, and there was just something about it. I don't know if it's the 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 fact that when people died, there was a giant blood stain or the, the, the voice acting that, you know, set you up for the missions. There's something about it that was really fun and addictive and dark. And I really liked that. And it looks like they're going to create, or they're going to be releasing a new version of syndicate, which I had no idea about until tonight when you told me, and it instantly made it into my, my list of number <laughs> three, just because that is like so exciting to me. And I looked at it and it's got, you know, four-player co-op, just like the old one did, but the old one was, you know, like I say, like a 2D kind of maybe isometric type. Kind of like the original, what was it, Fallouts. Yeah, but this one looked, yeah, it did look kind of like the old Fallout. This one looks, you know, with the latest and greatest graphics. Um, it looks really exciting to me, especially with the co-op um, kind of uh, angle. So I don't know anything about it really because I just found out about it, but I'm already eagerly anticipating it just because if it can do anything to bring back the, that old, um, you know, the nostalgia that I had for the old one, that would be awesome. It was kind of like when I first found out, speaking of Fallout, about Fallout 3, I was anticipating it because I had – it was a mixture of anticipation and, and um, you know uh, – Nostalgia. Nostalgia and dread because I'm like, they're surely going <laughs> to screw it up. And then when they did release it, you know, um, Bethesda, like, hit the ball out of the park, and it was awesome. It was beyond anybody's, you know, hopes. And then the DLC that came out for it took it to a whole other level. So hopefully this this syndicate's, uh, this syndicate reimagining will be something similar and will be a success and not a dismal failure. <laughs> but but that's, that's my number three for now. And in Syndicate's court, or, or in, I don't want to say in defense, but in support of Syndicate, this remake being good, it's being developed by Starbreeze Studios, who was behind the Pitch Black game Escape from Butcher Bay, which was a first-person slash stealth-type shooter game right. uh, from years ago. And people were so shocked because it was the studio's first game, and they got funded from by Vin Diesel, and right. it, it came out a couple years after the original movie, and it's just like, and it was really good. And I, I think because it just surprised people that it was so good, in spite of all the things that you would identify as red flags of it being really crappy, that the studio really made a name for itself, and now it's going to take on Syndicate. And what's weird about the Syndicate remake is that I think one of the reasons you weren't aware of it is because Electronic Arts kind of announced it at the last minute, and now the game's coming out in just about a month or so, which is pretty crazy. 
Yeah, so, it's just like, bam, I'm going to be out. And I'm like, I haven't even heard of this, you know? I was but, really surprised that they did that. Yeah, I'm not sure why, because Nintendo did, has done that with a couple of its games. There was one called Excite Bots, which is kind of like Excite Truck and Excite um, Bike. And it was actually a really good quality physics-based kart racing game where you could deform the environment and your carts could do all sorts of zany things. But it was announced just like a couple months before it came out. And it was a first-party title, and it had a lot of great development behind it. And the game didn't do that well. And so I, I know that with the economy and marketing and budgets and all that other stuff that and, and things getting overhyped and people being disappointed because they get too excited about it that PR companies and publishers need to walk a fine line of how much notice is too far in advance versus it's too short. But I feel like this one's got too short that it should yeah. have gotten at least as much time in the public's conscious conscious yes conscious consciousness as yeah. Deus Ex did. That's something that feels kind of like a similar scenario, an old franchise that we thought was gone. And then we're like, wow, for like about eight months to a year, we're like, wow, there's this actual sequel coming out. Yeah. That's great. And I feel like Syndicate should have gotten that. But, you know, we'll see. The proof will be in the final game, I suppose, if it's as fun. And and I hope that it is as you're wanting it to be, Mark. And I'm really excited about the co-op angle, frankly, because ever since Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, I am all about Co-op yeah. four-player games; those are just great. Well, I guess ever since Gauntlet, but well, yeah, <laughs> can argue with that. Yeah. I was just looking at some of the, you know, they also did they did Escape from Butcher Bay, Starbreeze, the studio that is, and Assault on Dark Athena and the Darkness. Um, oh, and the Darkness was pretty cool. Yeah, the Darkness kind of came out uh, of nowhere. They're a Swedish game company, so yeah. I don't know. Under the radar, and the darkness too is coming out pretty soon. I've been seeing some ads online for that, so I don't know if they're busy. <laughs> I remember when the darkness came out, people were like, "Wow, that's dark." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, pardon the pun, but I mean, they were like, "It's kind of dark." So I kind of like these European game developers because they they seem to have they seem to be able to do some things that we just kind of forget we can do here in the states and and come up with unique and interesting, you know, kind of gaming titles. And oh, yeah. hopefully the syndicate will realize that, you know, potential because it, it does look to be really exciting to me. So we'll see. Uh, what's your uh, number three? My number three, this is where the overlap occurs. Brace yourself, listeners. It is Diablo 3. Diablo. <laughs> And since this one is also on Mark's list, I'm going to refrain from talking about it. But obviously, you know that it's my number three, so that means that there are two other titles that I have above Diablo 3, which may be unfathomable. Uh-huh. And at the end of the of 2012, I may actually have Diablo 3 as my number one title of the year. I don't know. And And these other titles that I put above it won't be better, but they're all really good. That's my vibe right now, and I'm going to leave it at that and let Mark take back over with his number two. Right. And you have seen Diablo 3. We saw it when our friend Ryan That's right. play it, and uh, and it's still on your list. So that bodes well. Um, so, yeah, my number two is Mass Effect 3 from BioWare. 
I, you know, I hate to say it, but my my fanboyism is kind of kind <laughs> rampant. Of, yeah, I mean, there's a few game publishing or game uh, development companies that I think can do no wrong, and uh, they're obviously it's Blizzard, Bioware, and Riot. Um, and right now, Bioware has me in their thrall with you know Star Wars: The Old Republic. I'm just really enjoying that game, and I I really thought I was done with MMOs, but I'm not quite done apparently. So. Um, but um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Mass Effect 3 brings. Um, you know, it it's cool that you are allowed to um, kind of um, bring in your save file from Mass Effect 2 and everything. And I, I hope to go back and actually finish Mass Effect 1 and 2, because I haven't finished either of them, but I did enjoy them. It's just... They had they had competition from Dragon Age, which is yet another Bioware franchise, and I could not... I could not um, finish them because of Dragon Age. So Dragon Age 1 and 2 both kind of usurped the position of Mass Effect in my, my playtime kind of list. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to completing 1 and 2 before getting around to 3, and I think I can probably actually pull it off, but we'll, we'll see. Because um, I think... Oh, God, no, I can't. There's no way. I, I misread the release date. It's... Release date is March 6, 2012. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> well, wow. you could if you were really ambitious and very dedicated about it. Yeah, but Star Wars, my my Twi'lek slave girl in Star Wars: The Old Republic would be upset. She's my, she's kind of like the other wife, you know. So, <laughs> I don't know. Without without me shocking her shock collar from time to time, she gets angry. So, I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, I'm really looking forward to it and seeing what happens. And, um, of course, I'm really also looking forward to whenever the next, you know, when Dragon Age 3 comes out, whenever that's going to be. And the way that BioWare is – we've talked about this in past articles. The way they're speeding up their release cycle to around 18 months for their Mass Effect and Dragon Age titles, that won't be long uh, away either. That will be 2013 most likely. So yeah, um, really looking forward to that. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you think they'll ever resurrect Jade – Empire's franchise, or you think that's just a goner? I don't know. They every once in a while they will tease that it yeah. hasn't gone away, and recent news suggests that one of their quote unquote old franchises, their old ideas, yeah, that's right. will be making a comeback. So that's definitely one of the potential candidates. Right. Yeah, very interesting. Um, what's your number two? My number two is a PlayStation Three exclusive called The Last of Us. This game was premiered via a really cool trailer during the Spike TV Video Game Awards in early December. And the reason that I'm excited about it, there are many, there are several reasons that I'm excited about it. First of all, it's coming from Naughty Dog, who are the people behind my now beloved Uncharted trilogy, which I have loved from beginning to end, and no longer regret even remotely regretting my baby hands edition of Uncharted 3. Still got my little Drake action figure. I can see it right here. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and well, actually, it's a statue. It's not posable, so it's oh. it's not a doll, and it's, it's not, not an action figure. It's a statue. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, so the 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 Last of Us. It's a new IP, brand new IP coming from Naughty Dog, 
who all of a sudden can design to, to can develop two games at once because before they've only developed one game at a time. Before Uncharted, it was the Jack and Daxter games, and then Uncharted consumed them. And surprise, I'm sure they're working on something else for Uncharted, maybe for PlayStation 4. But in the meantime, we've getting, we're getting this really cool post-apocalyptic game, which I know we just can't get enough of on video game consoles. But He loves us some post-apocalyptic stuff. Totally. And I think the main director of this game came from the Namco Bandai team. Well, not Namco Bandai. It's, uh, gosh, what's the name? Ninja Theory. The people who oh, made yeah. Enslaved which yeah. was uh, based on the Chinese mythology of the Monkey King or whatever. Uh, that was a really great post-apocalyptic game with a dude and a girl going through an overgrown New York City where jungle life has taken over the buildings. The buildings are half-submerged in the ocean and then progressing from there into other areas of the world. The Last of Us also seems to take place in a an I Am Legend-esque overgrown oh. metropolitan city. It looks like New York that is overrun by mutants there's been some kind of plague breakout and it's not zombies because the brief glimpse of some of the monsters that you see in the trailer they look like their heads are made out of cauliflower like seriously mm. deformed so you have like those things running around. No. <laughs> yeah like times 100 <laughs> like <laughs> just one giant cauliflower or... head making your head making up your ah, head got it i see and they're violent of course so there's those things running around and then there's also humans running around who are trying to scavenge and will try to kill you for your supplies so that they can stay alive. And you are controlling, much like an enslaved, a guy who's, I think, in his late 30s, early 40s, some kind of father figure type. And then a girl who looks like she's 15 or 16 and seems exactly like Juno, as in the movie <laughs> Juno. Except she's not pregnant, but she looks no. and sounds a lot like Ellen Page, and I think her name is even Ellie, which is something ridiculous. Gosh. That's kind of silly. <laughs> you don't have co-op, unfortunately, but then again, Uncharted, all those games often had you had a sidekick with you, and you they, they were artificially AI control, and the same is true with Jack and Daxter. So it looks like they're going to follow that same routine, but it just looks cool. It's like a combination of Left 4 Dead, because it's got this whole post-apocalyptic zombie-esque situation, and I Am Legend, because of the whole oh, overgrown yeah. jungle city, and Enslaved, which was also really great with the whole two-player or two-character <laughs> dynamic. So, oh, that's cool. And it's beautiful, too. The trailer is all with in-game engines, which... Uncharted 3 used, didn't do any cinemas either, and it's just stunning. I mean, the, the PlayStation 3, or at least these developers, do not need pre-rendered cinemas because their graphics just look that good now. That's awesome. You know, you can't call your little Drake a uh, statue, I found out. Oh, what is that? It's got to be called a statuette or a figurine because the definition of a statue uh, <laughs> is that you can't pick it up. So if you can pick it up, it's a statuette or a figurine. Or a bludgeoning a doll. tool. <laughs> or a special, very special co-host. <laughs> Who I'll be seeing in person on Saturday. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll don I'll don my armor made out of beer cans, much like Red Fang would, would do. So I'll be ready. Um, let's see. So that brings us to my number one. Yes. Well, okay, so here's where we did finally um, cross over, sort of. I Mine is Diablo 3, so as a uh, card... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> As a card-carrying Blizzard fanboy. The way that you said it, it just sounded like we should be disappointed. Yeah, aww. <laughs> it's Diablo yeah. 3. It's a pinball machine that's coming out. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's Diablo the pinball game. It's the new Clawinator 2000, which is full <laughs> of dolls um, and statuettes and figurines. No, it's, it's Diablo 3, and... You know, there's there's not much to say about it other than I've lost so much of my life to Diablo 2. I played through Diablo 1 and the the un... What would you call it? It wasn't made by Blizzard, but whatever the expansion thing was for that. And then Diablo 2 and the expansion, I, I just played so... I spent so much of my life playing it and loved it so much. and was just so into it um, that I just know that... I'm almost afraid of what will happen to my social life and my relationship with my wife and children when Diablo 3 comes out. It'll be like, you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen. It could be bad. <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm really excited to play. Mandated. Couples, yeah, we'll have to go to, like, marriage counseling and stuff. But and then that's when the kids will come in, and my, my son will be like, I haven't seen my father in four weeks. And they'll be like, where's he been? And he's in the house. He's just in the basement. He's not going to work anymore. And I'll have like this, this hermit beard and all this stuff, you know, and just be wearing my bathrobe all the time, <laughs> big fuzzy bunny slippers. But I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I know there's a lot of people that wished it had been more photorealistic and less cartoony. But that doesn't really bother me. It's, oh, it's, man, the art style is beautiful. When I saw it, it in is. Person, yeah, I was totally satisfied and impressed. It it doesn't seem cartoony to me. I mean, when I what's cartoony is World of Warcraft, and when you yeah. look at Diablo three in comparison to World of Warcraft, Diablo three is realistic. Yeah, comparatively, it is yeah. very artistically, stylistically speaking. Yeah, not quite so much as Diablo two, but Diablo two's resolution was eight hundred by six hundred. So yeah, yeah, at nineteen twenty by ten eighty. It's a whole different ball game. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I just can't wait to play it. I, I really am looking forward to it. Um, and my words, my words have escaped me for how much I'm anticipating it. So it's solidly at my number one, and hopefully it won't disappoint. I think the aspect of Diablo three that's that's most exciting to me, and it's just because it's my favorite thing to do. It's the whole co-op gameplay aspect of it. Because I think oh, that yeah. you've played you played it a lot, both co-op and single player. But predominantly, it's, it sounds to me that you played it single player. I played which... it most. I played it. I, I played it mostly single player, but I was playing it on BattleNet so that I could use my my characters, you know, for PvP or whatever. And um, but I did play quite a bit of multiplayer with Jason, where we would just just be the two of us and we would play. And, you know, see how far we could get. And, uh, yeah. But the co-op for Diablo 3 looks to be, you know, obviously a lot of time has gone by and our expectations have changed. And, you know, it's going to be pretty awesome, I think. And uh, the having the additional ability to um, use Skype while we play with people. Yeah. You know, like you and I, we could actually, we could actually, like, establish, like, game time to play and level our characters and you know yeah you know i mean it'd be yeah. kind of like an mmo but a little different but we could work through the different acts and stuff together and i i'm really looking forward to that so. yeah if diablo 3 weren't coming out this year 
and only Torchlight 2 was, then Torchlight 2 would probably be on my list because that's going to satisfy the whole co-op oh, yeah. fantasy action-adventure itch that I have, right. I suppose. Yeah, or if like they ever did a Titan Quest sequel properly, that would be cool too. But with Diablo being the granddaddy of that you know, franchise, I mean, it, it just can't get any better. So Exactly. <laughs> so what's moving on? What's your number one? What's your numero uno? Well, I did want to take one backwards tangent to Mass Effect 3. I was just amused by <laughs> I got distracted by it. You're like, wait, no, I can't play through both of them. But <laughs> oh, yeah, my, my crisis. My one battle. of the main reasons why I didn't put Mass Effect 3 on my list. Editor's note, we had a recording issue here. So I'm going to say what got sped up by Skype was, I have both the games and I haven't played them either. I was thinking, like, maybe we could find a way to turn this into a competition for the two of us to uh, see who can finish Mass Effect 1 and then Mass Effect 2 <laughs> and right. motivate us to just burn through it before Mass Effect 3 comes out. We could it, do that. I don't know. I mean, would you play it on PC or, or 360? PC. Oh, wait, that's right. Your, th- your 360 is totally defunct. No, no, I have a fully functional 360. I oh, also yeah? have a totally broken 360. Oh, okay. But my I, 360 is down. My What I did was I, I moved my 360 into my basement. So it's oh, that's right. Yeah, that's because that's where you're playing Rocksmith. I was I forgot. It's your Xbox Live that's defunct because you let the subscription lapse. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe that'll happen because I have the – this is sad. I have both of the first two games, and I have not played them. And that is not my most embarrassing <laughs> game library <laughs> incident. So I will just leave it at that. Yeah. That's <laughs> but back probably... to my number one of my top five. My number one is also from a Western developer. And the reason that I mention this is because I know when I first got into video games, there was Atari. And it was really cool. I was a kid, and a lot of the games came from Western developers. And then Japan got in on the scene and just totally spanked the world and just dominated the video game industry and made so many more of my other favorite video game franchises and were so prolific at it and so good at it that I think I got to a point where I thought, I'm like, I don't know if Western game developers are ever going to be as big as Japan. They'll, they'll be great and big on PC games, but when it comes to console games, where it's I was skeptical with the idea that a PC type game, this is so ridiculous. It just shows how naive I was. Uh, <laughs> that a, a PC role playing game such as Baldur's Gate, back in the day or Neverwinter Nights, could ever cross the bridge into the world of consoles because the idea of of playing a a complex as complex of an RPG that Bioware made with a console controller that just seemed unfathomable. It's like, that'll never happen because you need a full keyboard and a mouse. <laughs> and lo and behold, like Western game developers have really just completely taken over the industry anymore to the point where Japanese game developers are in total freak out mode for the last year. Right, and right. I was trying to figure out a way to lead into this, that there's so many great Western game developers and some of the greatest are ones that we've already talked about, whether they're Blizzard or Valve or any of the number that are overseas. And, and I was trying to think about it. I'm like, well, shoot, I, I could go on listing 
developer after developer after developer. I could name Grand Theft Auto's developer and Batman Arkham City's developer. I mean, there's so many great ones out there. And yet one of the ones that I still feel is up in the upper tier is definitely Irrational Games. Oh, yeah. And they're making my number one choice, which is Bioshock Infinite, which I'm excited almost in, on fanboy principle alone, much like Mark. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they just so impressed me with Bioshock. And I know I never fully experienced it, but they I know they kicked butt with System Shock 2 and other games in their past. And it's really great to see them still going strong on both PC and consoles, but definitely on consoles. And I just can't wait to get into something, into a, a realm of time that I never thought that I'd get back into outside of a social studies class, which is like 1900s, turn of the century, American imperialism, and just yeah. the, the narrow-minded politics and social mores that were in place during that time. And then add on to that that it's a floating city, and there's all these blimps, and there's this super gigantic automaton robot monster and the supernatural aspects that also came up in Bioshock and knowing that there's going to be some kind of philosophical debate and quandaries to consider and, and discuss with other people, much like the original Bioshock did. It's just like, wow, I cannot wait for that. It looks really cool. Oh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's a good summary of all the reasons to look forward to them coming out with this thing. Yeah. Plus, I just want to see... Like that, what they can do with Art Deco in the sky. <laughs> Definitely. They are very, very talented folks on a on an artistic it's, front. Oh, I love, and I just, I mean, that's the thing about the whole Bioshock thing is, like, the whole Art Deco thing, I think was, like, I, it's, like, one of my fav, very favorite, like, um, what would you call it? Um, art styles, architectural Art styles, styles. yeah, architectural styles, it's. It was just such a like it's like, like so hopeful and kind of like almost like idealistic space age and idealistic yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's such a positive kind of thing and you know unfortunately it's something we don't see very often anymore. <laughs> very true. But to see like an entire um, you know underwater like uh, setting done done that way or to have it in the clouds i mean it's just it's so cool to see that and the way that they the way their art direction works and the way they you know their attention to detail and everything it's done so darn well that you really feel like you're there so i i can't wait to try that myself although it it was in my list but it got bumped when you told me about syndicate so (laughs) (laughs) it was my number three so that was one of your honorable mentions do you have any other ones that almost made your list no, that's that's pretty much it for me. What about your honorable mentions? <laughs> As I mentioned, listeners, I had a long list. So just going quickly, I'm really looking forward to Dead or Alive 5 because that was the game that got me into 3D fighters, and I love the reverse mechanic in yes, that he game. Does. And I love the destructible environments. So oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the next chapter in that. SSX, I'm, I've cooled down a bit on. I was really excited about it. And when I got a chance to play it, at PAX. It's still cool, but it's still... What I want is another SSX Tricky. And Mm -hmm. SSX, they said that they took inspiration from two SSX games, which were Tricky, and I think it was On Tour, which was the last one that was made after SSX 3. 
which featured skiing, which is not in this new S6 game. But it, it just, it still feels like it's used more towards realism. And what I really loved about the original SSX and SSX Tricky was it's so goofy and arcadey. I mean, like a, a snowboard course that goes down a, a frozen volcano in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Or the pinball machine course, and then all the cheesy celebrity voiceovers. It was just so over the top and really great. And this one uses the gimmick that they've taken satellite imagery of real world mountains around the world. And so you actually go down Fuji and Kilimanjaro and I don't know what other random mountains they chose, which is cool, but it's just serious. Right. And I want arcadey fun. So it could still be that. So hold my breath. Nino Cooney, the the white witch's wrath or something like that. (laughs) It's a game being made by the, Developers behind Professor Layton, which you know I love that series, and the art style is uh, Hayao Miyazaki, the guy who made Howl's Moving Castle and uh, Spirited Away, some really famous Japanese animated films, very celebrated. So that has potential to be really cool just by the combination of that pedigree. Quantum Conundrum is coming from that lady who came up with the original Portal and was working on Portal 2, and then she quit. So this is her next game, and it's a downloadable, so it should be really easy to try out. Oh, yeah. Then there's the Star Trek game, which follows the – it's it uses the art style and the mythology and the reboot established in the last movie. And you play alternatingly as Kirk and Spock, and you kind of escort them through a very balls-to-the-wall action experience, which is definitely not traditional Star Trek in any – way, but I would love to have another really cool Star Trek action game. And as Mark mentioned earlier, you said that you really loved Elite Force. That was also another one of my favorites. Oh, I think for like most people, Elite Force was such a shock because it had like the wonderful platform kind of jumping puzzles to it that pissed off so many people. (laughs) But for a select few of us, it made it like so memorable. So I, I, yeah, I would love to see something like that again. Yeah, and so it it just that just good it went to show that there's such thing as a really fun and really good X or Star Trek action game, and I wouldn't mind having another one of those because often Star Trek games are pretty fifty fifty or maybe more seventy thirty. Yeah, that's that's certain. <laughs> In terms true. of being bad versus good, so my next game honorable mention is Dishonored which is notable because it's coming from Arcane Studios for the people who made Dark Messiah of Might and Magic and also, I think, Thief. They, they might have worked on that, oh, I'm not yeah. sure as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arx Vitalis. They have, it's, it's a new IP. It's set in a futuristic, dystopic world. Or, or it's, it's, it's an alternate version of the world, and it's stealth, multiple solutions, and first-person perspective. It looks really cool. Last but not least XCOM not the strategy one that was just announced because I never I wasn't like a hardcore fan of the turn-based strategy alien invasion game but this is coming from the people behind Bioshock 2 and it's got this really funky stylized 50s aesthetic to it it takes place in an alternate version of 1950s America and it goes back and forth between X-Files style first person battles against black alien goo and monsters and then investigative research at certain locations. And it sounds really intriguing. It could totally fall on its face, but that combination of exploration and research with 
really cool, scary action horror sequences. Sounds pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there you have it, listeners. Those are our most anticipated titles of 2012. And if only we had psychic powers or the ability to know what surprises will be announced at E3 that will turn these lists on their heads. But I, I think we've probably covered all the major ones, uh, in addition to ones that you may be looking forward to, such as Grand Theft Auto V and the next Call of Duty and the rebirth of Twisted Metal and Terra and so many other games that are out there also due to come out this year. Let us know what your favorites or your the ones you're most excited about, even if it's from a cringeworthy, apprehensive point of view, as we are with Dota 2. <laughs> Mail at channelmassive.com. And I think that's going to be a wrap for our episode. We had some other stories that we were talking about, we were thinking about talking about on the show. And since we spent so much time talking about games we were excited for, I feel this is probably pretty good, probably a good place to stop so that you can go back to enjoying your life as yourself. We can go back to the misery, the aforementioned misery of living with ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. Off it the air. Quite difficult, really. <laughs> we really appreciate you subscribing to the show, and we love hearing from you. Leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a comment over on the website. Whatever it is, we will be back for with a fresh new show for you next week. Maybe with some kind of random co-host. That's right. The co-hosts will be returning in force en masse in the coming weeks. Best podcast in the world. I played a World of Warcraft for ten years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.